This is the Kavnis HR Podcast, and we want you to be great every day. Join us as we transform the human resources outsourcing industry while we talk to small business owners, founders, and people in tech, startup, and HR spaces. Now, please welcome your host, Jason Kavnis. I'm your host, Jason Kavnis. Our guest today is Peter Pease. Peter, are you ready to be great today? I am. Peter is a UK entrepreneur who has created multiple businesses since graduating in psychology in 1987. He took one business from startup to IPO and sold his last one in 2011. It's still going strong. They're all in the people bit of business-to-business services, things like L&D, HR, recruitment, vocational education. He's been responsible for the development of more than 40,000 learners, and his businesses have worked for more than 100,000 job seekers. He now works as a part-time professor at Newcastle Business School in the northeast of England. His first experience of working for someone else in school. He has currently undertaken research as part of a PhD looking at the psychological journey of business founders. He's developed a psychometric tool based on a global sample of business founders and is looking for people to take the trial version of the test. If you take a test, you'll get a free report showing how your psychological capital compares with other founders around the world and a, and a workbook on how to develop it. Peter, that's a pretty important undertaking, I think. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's been quite big. I think that, you know, I've worked with hundreds of entrepreneurs over the years, and I was one myself. I've kind of worked with people who have been an awful lot more successful than me. I've worked with people who have, you know, failed at the first hurdle. And I kind of think that the biggest difference between success and failure in business is actually psychological. It comes down to what goes on in people's heads. You can have the best product in the world or the best service or you lose motivation or lose interest, then you you haven't got a hope really. So my research, and, and do interrupt and ask me questions because I can talk forever on it. Uh, my research is kind of looking at those bits of our psychology that you can do something about. So you're your intelligence, your kind of your number ability and your verbal reasoning, they're pretty fixed, as are your main character things. By the time you're an adult, you know, if you're an introvert or an extrovert, that'll only change a little bit over time. Things like your confidence, your resilience, your courage, your hope and your optimism, those things you can do, you can do something about. And I'm really interested in finding out more about, you know, entrepreneurs and how they go through that psychological roller coaster of setting up a business. Some people get put off, some people by failure, some people get spurred on by it. It's just trying to understand that difference so I can help people be the best they can be. Peter, why did you think it was important for you to develop a tool like this? The reason I'm working as a part-time professor is I work with startup students on a business startup degree that we run. So we have teams of people who spend three years setting up and running businesses. It's the major part of their of their degree. And to do that, I needed to research something. I needed to do a PhD because in the UK, if you're an academic, you have to do research. And I kind of thought, what's the thing that would be most useful to these people? And there are a number of tests out there that will test you know, whether or not you could be an entrepreneur. I took one that a couple of years ago that was on Facebook, and it told me that no way should I think about becoming an entrepreneur. That was having spent 25 years being reasonably successful at doing it. So I'm not interested in measuring whether you could be, because I think anybody can be an entrepreneur if they, if they want to be, but it's about developing something so that 
you, you know, you as somebody running your business can actually, you know, say, yeah, how do I do something about developing my confidence? What are my measures? And there's a lot of stuff around what's sometimes called called med- metacognition, which is about being aware of your own mental state. So the idea of this tool, and it'll take another couple of years to get properly developed, is it something that you could take every once in a while and you could kind of say, oh yeah, I'm I, you know, those things that have happened in the last month or two have actually really knocked my resilience. What can I do to build that up a bit? Peter, have there been any surprises so far from the results you've seen? Yeah, that's a really good question because I'm just in the process of, of analyzing, the, analyzing the results. So the model I'm using is one that's been developed in organizations. So it's been developed with employees, but nobody's ever really looked at it properly within entrepreneurs. So what we're kind of finding is that there isn't a huge so the surprising things are that resilience doesn't appear to be as important to entrepreneurial success as I kind of thought it would be. Bear in mind, these are really initial, you know, I've got my data, I've got several hundred thousand data points, I'm in the process of analyzing. So that's kind of one thing we thought that'd be that more resilient entrepreneurs would kind of be doing a lot more yeah, a lot better than ones who scored low on resilience. And we found there isn't much of a relationship there. What we have found is that the, the things that are really important, what we talk about as agency, it's part of this construct called hope. So agency is about your belief in your ability to be able to act on what you want to do. It's kind of like you're feeling empowered to do what you need to do. And the other thing we found is really important is having goals and but also having a kind of problem solving approach to the way you set those goals so it's not just about having clear goals but it's about coming up with multiple pathways for how you might achieve those goals those seem to be the things that are kind of most most important and the other one is which is interesting to me is that we looked at courage so fear of failure is a big thing talked about in entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship research what we found is that fear of failure isn't that much of predictor of success. Now, our sample, the people we're looking at, are typically people who have already set up and are running their businesses. So I'm kind of interested in the future because I wonder if that fear of failure might actually be something that stops people starting a business. Peter, from what countries have your, has your samples come from? It's come from basically countries where English is the first or official language. So I decided not to translate the scale into multiple languages because there's a lot of evidence that when you translate psychometrics from one language into another, the actual structure of the psychometric changes. So we've obviously got a lot of people from the United States, from the United Kingdom, Canada, some of the African countries where English is the official language, India, because although India, although English isn't many people's first language, it is the official language. And places like Hong Kong, those are the only ones I can remember off the top of my head. I would be interested in seeing like how the like countries compare to each other, like how does the United States compare to African countries and so forth. I think that would be really interesting to see in the future. I think that's going to be a slightly later stage in the analysis. So at the moment, we're kind of just looking at uh, the uh, the initial results. So Peter, can you tell us why there's not enough discussion on the mental health of founders? Oh God, that's a really brilliant question. And that is something that I'm just getting into the edges of looking at at the moment. Is there a particular reason why you asked that question? No, not, not particularly. No. Okay. I, it's, um, it's not where I started 
taking off. So there's a founder who I've got to know reasonably well who set up a digital business a few years ago. He raised a lot of money and he and his team ended up finishing the business because it just wasn't going anywhere, which kind of happens. And he suffered really bad clinically diagnosed anxiety as a result of that. And he's set up business that is kind of looking at the mental health of founders. And I'm just starting to look at some of the research theories about this. We have a lot of uh, people who set up businesses who struggle with failure when they go wrong uh, or struggle with, you know, with the stresses of running a business. There is a certain amount of evidence. I don't have the US stats on this, but certainly within Europe, the business failure and suicide is quite highly linked. So it is incredibly, incredibly important. And I think the other thing I don't think anybody else has started to think about, but I think that some founders actually use business creation as a coping mechanism. So I think if you have deep underlying sort of mental health issues, maybe things that have you know, happened in childhood that you're struggling to deal with, becoming a workaholic is one coping mechanism for dealing with that. And setting up your own business is the best way I can think of of becoming a workaholic. I'd have to agree with that statement so, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I can, you know, without oversharing about myself, I think, you know, when I, I had a really difficult time after our IPO because I lost control of the business I'd set up and I had to leave and set up another business, that really sort of kicked me. I set up another business and that was okay. I got stuck into that. We sold that in 2011. And when we sold that, I was kind of really lost. It was like, you know, this thing that had kind of kept me going psychologically, you know, my crutch was no longer there. So I, I'm definitely one of those people who used the business as a way of dealing with some, you know, pretty deep and dark stuff that was there underlying everything else. Peter, why do you think that some people are more likely to start a business and take the risk of starting a business and while others want to stay far away from it? Okay, good. Good question. The I think there are two reasons why people start businesses if you kind of look at the global statistics on that. So we have what you can't what are called necessity entrepreneurs. So many people set up businesses because they've lost a job or it's the only way they can have they can get income. So if you look at some of the refugee camps around the world, you actually have quite high levels of entrepreneurial behavior going on in those because that's kind of the only way people can get it's the only way they can survive. That's not what we tend to in the in the UK and the US. We kind of see the entrepreneur as this heroic type of person who's going out there to become the next Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates. And there is a lot of people do it because they, you know, because they think they're going to make an awful lot of money or be very successful or they're particularly passionate about something. What makes the difference? You know, some people do it because they've got no choice. Some people do it because they want to. The ones who do it as a sort of career choice, I think that they quite often are doing it for a whole reason, sort of variety of different reasons. And I think that what happens is that people, you know, many more people want to set up a business than ever get around to doing it. I think in the UK, the statistics are something like two thirds of people would like to set up and run their own business at some point in their life. And only something like 14 or 15% of people get up, get around to doing it. And I think that what happens is that when the motivation gets to a certain level or the courage gets to a certain level, then people will take the lead. Does that answer your question? Yes. Yes, it does. Yeah, good. 
Peter, can you talk about a time you were successful in the past, what you learned from this success and what we can learn from this? It's interesting because success and failure are quite sort of uh, quite difficult things. So I'm going to talk about something which is probably not a typical business success, but my children 26 and 23 years old. When my daughter was three years old and I was running a business and I was working very hard at it, I managed to create that business in such a way that we had a building attached to our house. I had about 12 people working in the business at that stage. So I could work as hard as you have to work when you're setting up a business. But each day when it came to sort of coming back from school, when it got to tea time, I was able to have tea with my children, three, four, five o'clock, be there for bath time. And then I could go back to the office and work later on. So I think that somehow I managed to get a a work-life balance, you know, 20 odd years ago, way before people were talking about work-life balance. I'm really proud of that because I think a lot of entrepreneurs sacrifice their relationships with their children because the business kind of takes over. Yeah, I would say that's definitely a great success in your part. Peter, next, talk about a time you failed in the past, what you learned from this failure and what we can learn. (laughs) Okay, so where do I start? I mean, I met somebody many years ago who set up a really successful business. He employed thousands of people. And I said to him, so why have you been so successful? And he thought about it and he said, well, on balance, I think I've probably made marginally more good decisions and bad decisions along the way. So I've made loads of bad decisions. I think probably the worst was doing the IPO with my business because I kind of, I did it for the wrong reasons. I did it for hubris. I did it because I was flattered and I thought I could make a huge amount of money by doing it. And what happened was that, yes, you know, got the business invested in, turned into something that had the values that I'd sort of lived by for the 20 odd years that I'd been running it for. So I think, you know, almost it's about doing something that kind of was about other people's agenda. It was a Peter, can you talk about someone who's helped you in the past and how they helped you? I've had loads of mentors over the years and they've kind of been they've kind of been wonderful. But but actually the person who has probably been the most important to to, to what I've managed to do has actually been my mother because from a very, very early age and even now, I mean she's in her eighties now, she kind of believes in absolutely everything that I am doing. So even when things have look really bleak. She has always been the person who kind of tells me that I can get through it, that I can do it. Kind of unconditional love, that level of belief in, in me and my ability and what I'm doing. I don't think anything can ever touch that. Peter, can you tell us something about yourself that most people don't know? Of course, like your close friends, family know this, but most people who see you day to day don't know this about you. This is, I kind of wondered a bit about this. I have two fingers. I had an operation when I was a few months old and they basically unjoined the fingers but something went wrong with that i'm not quite sure what and they it grew back together so i have two fingers that are joined together so i could never have been a concert pianist even if i had wanted to be peter understand you have a book to recommend to our listeners i read this book only a couple of years ago and it's a book that i guess a lot of people in the states will know but it's a book called the the mom test have you come across it no, I um, it's by a guy called Fitzpatrick. It's, it's the easiest book you could read. It'll take you no more than a couple of hours to read. And it's basically a book for startup entrepreneurs. And it's based on the idea that 
most people, when they're setting up a business, the people they go and talk to are their family and their friends. And they will say, I'm setting up this business. Do you think it's a good idea? And nobody wants to hurt our feelings. So they will tend to say, yeah, that's a great idea. So it's the mom test because we ask our mum, what do you think of my idea? The worst person for me, just also given the answer I gave to the previous question to ask about my business ideas would be my mother because she would tell me that that was brilliant. And that's not going to do me any good at all. And the book is about not just the fact that your mother or your friends will kind of tell you what you want to hear. Most people will tell you what you want to hear. So it's a book about how you can ask questions about your business in a way that people are going to tell you the truth. Because most people will not tell you the truth. They'll tell you a version of the truth that they kind of think is what you want to hear. Peter, understand something for our listeners today. As I mentioned at the front, and, and you very kindly mentioned in your introduction, I'm doing this research. I've got several hundred people who've completed the, the survey so far. I'm looking for more people to do it. It's still in a kind of beta form. It takes about 10 to 15 minutes to complete. If you complete it, you will get a free psychometric report. It's not in a massive amount of depth, but it'll give you scores on the key metrics about how you compare with other founders around the world on things like your confidence levels, things like your hope, optimism, and courage. And you'll get a workbook on how to develop your, your psychological capital that will go hand in hand with those test results. If you want to take the test, go onto my website, which is peterpease.com. I think you're very kindly going to let people have the spelling of my name. So it's just myname.com. And there's a, there's a tab on that called research. Just click on the tab and there'll be a link for the test. Peter, can you share your social media links for the listeners so they can reach you and get in contact with you? Do you want me to email those to you? Yes. And to the listeners, we'll have the links to all in our show notes to the book recommendation and on all Peter's uh, social media links. I'll give you the full sort of reference for that so that people can find that. Peter, we're coming to the end of our talk. Do you have any uh, advice that wisdom you'd like to pass on to our listeners, either on startups or founders, whatever else you want to pass on? Yeah, I've got two pieces of advice, which are both slightly flippant. One is don't let a psychopath invest in your business. And the other is don't buy cheap trash bags. That's great advice. On both counts. Okay. Thanks very much. So, Peter, thank you for your time with us today. You gave us a lot of value. Appreciate your time. I know you're a busy person. It's been a real, a real pleasure. I'd love to find out more about you and your business and and uh, and what uh, and what it does because it sounds similar to something that I kind of played around with probably 15 years ago in the UK. And listeners, thank you for your time as well. And remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Kavnis HR. For more exclusive content, as well as your free copy of HR Laws, be sure to visit KavnisHR.com or connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook at Kavnis HR. Thanks again, and be great every day.